0: Episode 179 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by cloud accounting software FreshBooks, offering you a free 30-day unrestricted trial. To take advantage of it, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead, and just enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section.
1: The Entrepreneur me, I think it's a great business practice to take what's effective in one area, missing in another area, but would work there and to bring that over. And that's what I've done.
0: Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever-important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. The topic of leadership getting our focus today, but we occasionally also talk about things like personal growth, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. In just a few minutes, you and I will be joined by Joshua Spodek. He's the author of a book called Leadership Step-by-Step, Become the Person Others Follow. I'll ask Joshua to walk us through some simple exercises to help lead you to a better understanding of yourself why and how to consider changing your habits and your beliefs, the traits you need to possess to be the kind of person others want to follow, and much, much more. Leadership, step-by-step, is going to walk you through what to do and how to do it in an integrated and comprehensive progression of exercises that are designed to cultivate key abilities, behaviors, and beliefs through, and this is key, experience. The exercises in the book help you accomplish the inner work and gain the social skills you have to have for great leadership. You're going to learn things like how to build self-awareness, manage your emotions, speak in your authentic voice, create meaningful connections, inspire others, lead with empathy, support teammates, and a lot more. Side note, I've been sick the last few days and am recovering from a case of what I believe to be a runner's knee, but I'm going to do my best not to let either of those things show uh, today. Before we uh, bring Joshua on, I do want to remind you of our sponsor, our friends at Cloud Accounting Software FreshBooks, been sponsoring the show for nearly a year and a half now, so it must be working. And I thank you for that. If you have uh, gone through that free 30-day trial, even just to try it uh, helps out uh, the show. No obligation to you whatsoever. If you haven't yet done that, I highly encourage you to take advantage of that free trial from FreshBooks. You get access to all of FreshBooks features for 30 days, no credit card required or anything like that. Uh, you just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about a section. That way they know where you came from. And then you get to jump in and check out all that FreshBooks has to offer. As you may know, I've been using FreshBooks for a long time. In fact, long before I ventured out on my own, I had a side business while working a full-time job and I leveraged FreshBooks to help me with that side business. And that made it real easy when I decided to go out on my own full-time. FreshBooks grew with my business. And I've actually had a chance to meet and sit down and have conversation and coffee with some of the uh, major players at FreshBooks. And they're a group of people that I can, strongly vouch for and, and stand behind. And in, in case you didn't know, I'm pretty I'm pretty picky about uh, that that sort of thing and, and want to be protective of the podcast in that way. And FreshBooks is a company and organization that that I support 100 percent You can check them out again at freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Get that 30-day free trial. Just enter read to lead. In the How Did You Hear About Us section, that web address one more time, freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Joshua Spodek believed for most of his life that you had to be born to lead. I used to believe that, too. Uh, The course of his career as an astrophysicist, athlete, artist, and educator, though, helped kind of change his mind about all that. His experience as a co-founder and CEO of companies operating around the world and work as a coach, Uh, led him to develop a unique methodology of leadership I think you'll enjoy uh, that he has perfected over years with hundreds of students. He's an adjunct professor at NYU, a leadership coach for Sony, Walmart, and the U.S. Army, a workshop leader for Columbia School of Business, and a columnist for one of my favorite magazines, uh, one of the handful I subscribe to, Inc. Joshua, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. I'm excited to have you here.
1: Jeff, thank you, I'm glad to be here as well.
0: Well, uh, Joshua realized uh, early on, um, as I once did, that being taught about leadership uh, wasn't doing a good job of teaching him how to lead. So Joshua, I'd like you to talk a bit about how you view leadership as a discipline and, and your desire to bring leadership skills and principles beyond the page.
1: Yeah. As you mentioned, when I grew up, I thought leadership was something that you were born with or not. And I just looked at, you know, other people led and I didn't, and I didn't really think much of it. And I, I want to say that's not just leadership in terms of You know, for me, leadership is not telling people what to do. It's not just some guy in a corner office with a suit. It's also influencing anybody around you. So it's in personal relationships and including with yourself, this personal leadership and and your own emotional awareness and creating the emotions that you want in yourself. So business school was a big experience for me that I started. I took classes in leadership that, you know, they were required Oh, I live in New York City, so you can hear that there's a siren in the background. Sorry about that. No problem.
0: <laughs> it was inevitable. And
1: uh, I mean, I love New York City, but mm. that is a, a, a hazard. Mm. So, I mean, I'm in school and I'm learning this stuff. But when I left school and I started actually putting it into practice, I realized that I'm like trying to remember what was said in this lecture or what I read in this in this paper. And I'm trying to figure out how to connect What I learned to what I'm actually doing, and I realized that it wasn't working. I've actually seen research since then that if you teach someone just theory about something that's something a performance based area, Mm. if you teach someone theory, they have to learn a little bit and how to practice it. And it turns out that the amount that they have to learn, the time that it takes to learn having learned theory, is the same as if they had not learned the theory in the first place. (laughs) And so, as I went out in the field, I started learning from scratch, as if from scratch. And, you know, people told me, Josh, you're changing, you're developing. Like, we like you more now. Mm. And, you know, your, your advice is better. Your relationships, you, you, you know, things are improving. they were saying you should coach, you should teach. And so I started doing that. And then the more I started learning about how to teach effectively, I started learning that for whatever, however useful lectures are and case studies are and reading papers and writing papers are for other fields for something performance-based like leadership, same with entrepreneurship. It's, you learn by doing. And I looked around and I saw no one's doing it. People are doing it in other areas. That's how we learn acting. It's how we learn other fields. But in leadership, I didn't, I just did not see it. And every time I passed a bookshelf, I would think, all right, let's see if there are any new books that I hadn't seen. (laughs) I'd open them up, I'd leaf through, is this a book about leadership or is this a book of how to lead? And, you know, There are some books that are like uh, about some great historical leader. And I think that gives you great insight into the person. But Mm -hmm. mostly they're giving you these tips of like, know your values or listen. Well, everyone knows those. The reason people don't do it isn't that they don't know that you should listen or you should have empathy or you should have uh, perseverance. It's that they don't know how to do it.
0: (laughs) And and it goes, you mentioned acting as an example. Uh, Other great examples are are music and, and dance and sports. Right. I mean, all these other disciplines that people improve through practice. They they go out and they actually do it. And that's how they get better at it. And in leadership, there seems to be that void.
1: Yeah, I didn't create this style of teaching to teach the basics. And then once you master the basics, then you move up to intermediate and and along the way, if you I mean I didn't create it. it came that's how we teach the military, that's how we teach mm-hmm. music and how to how to play sports. And in all of these areas, you get a very deep self-awareness and you get a genuine and authentic expression of yourself and you connect with other people and you learn all these things through practice of perseverance and grit and uh that happen you know everyone who performs in anything if it's if you're an athlete you lose games if you're a performer you you make mistakes and you have to make it through and you have to deal with critics and things like that these are incredibly valuable things for leaders that you just don't get if you're writing papers and Mm -hmm. reading psychology stuff and you know the entrepreneur in me, because you know, what got me into business, I, I started a business right out of school. And the entrepreneur in me, I think it's a great business practice to take what's effective in one area, missing in another area, but would work there and to bring that over. And that's what I've done. I don't teach acting skills or music skills. I, I use the structure and I use the, the, the practice of leadership is such a rich, complex field that there's more than enough practices in it to learn from, just like jazz musicians have to learn improvisation, but they don't learn improv from improv performers. They learn jazz improv. And we Mm -hmm. don't need to learn acting skills and music skills. Although, you know, I'm glad that people are doing things like improv for leadership or or, uh, Mm -hmm. orchestral conducting for leadership. That's great because it's active stuff, but ultimately you run out of improv for leadership and you have to get leadership for leadership. And I've created what I think are like the equivalent of musical scales for leadership. I mean, those are the beginning things, also advanced exercises as well Mm -hmm. and everything in between.
0: You mentioned uh, self-awareness. I don't think anybody would argue that that's fundamental to leadership and, and growth. And as I read about one of your first exercises in the book, I think my initial reaction, Joshua, was probably similar uh, to that of many of your students, and and it was something along the lines of, "Is this guy for real?" <laughs> I would like you to share a little bit this about. Is about raisins. Isn't it? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I would love for you to share the the essence of that of that exercise and what it's intended to to help us understand about ourselves.
1: Sure. It's uh, and I should mention that every year when I sign it to my to my in class students, I say to them, I'll, I'll I explain the exercise which I'm about to do, and then I say, "Does it sound weird?" And they always say, yes. And I say, all right, well, let's do it anyway. And the next week they come back and they have their reflections and so forth. And I always ask them, all right, last time you said it was kind of weird. Should I next year maybe take it out of the syllabus and not have it? And they're like, no, no, keep it in. This is really useful. (laughs) And some people call it the most important exercise. Mm. Although I think a lot of times it's specifically an experiential exercise and possibly because for many people, it's the first experiential exercise, whatever I gave first might be the one that they consider most valuable. Mm. In any case, I didn't make it up. I got it from John Kabat-Zinn, who is one of the top people in mindfulness. Mm. So I'd rather take what works than make something up that doesn't work. Mm. So the exercise is this. Get three raisins, and you can use peanuts or dried apricots or something, You know, but raisins work well. And block off an hour from your schedule. You don't need an hour, but take an hour when you're going to have your phone off, no books around, put your watch away, mm. and just... Just you and these three raisins, put them in front of you, and eat all three raisins one at a time, as if you've never seen or heard of a raisin before. And use all five senses. So what does it feel like? What does it sound like, say if you drop it? What does it look like? Every raisin is unique. And when I first did it, it took me about thirty minutes to do the exercise. Some people do it faster, some take some take a little bit longer. And the exercise is, I'll say it briefly, it's about perception, it's about awareness. And I guarantee it will be slightly different and sometimes in a major way different than you expect. And, you know, our whole experience of everything in our lives is through our senses. And most of the time, people don't really pay attention that much to, you know, we have our beliefs and they influence how we perceive things. We don't really notice things. For me, for example, when I did it, I tasted this raisin flavor that I hadn't really paid attention to since maybe the first raisin I'd ever had. Mm. And people have these amazing thoughts. So if you do this course uh, in person with me, or even if you do it on, on my online course, there's this forum. And when you read other people's reflections, then you see all these little details that, oh, I didn't notice that, or I did notice that. And they did it differently. Since you have to post your re- reflections and you know that other people will see yours and you have to think more about what's happened.
0: So, so then we combine this with the next exercise. Uh, it's an exercise, uh, Joshua calls, uh, writing your inner monologue. And so, so what does that look like in practice? As I first uh, read about this, it just seemed on the surface, like something that would be very difficult to do. And I I guess it is at first, but it, but it gets easier, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, just like playing scales on the piano, the first time you do it, you're supposed to hit each key roughly the same, but you know, your thumb is going to hit it harder than your pinky Mm finger. So you have to practice and train before you get skilled at it. And if you're going to use the muscles of what's going on in your mind, before I give this exercise, I say, you know, what's on your mind right now? What are you thinking? And most people will say, oh, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do later tonight. Something like that. Mm. That's what they're thinking about. What they're actually thinking is this train of thought that's like, what am I going to do tonight? Maybe I'll go see my friend. Oh, wait, I own five bucks. I better not go see him. <laughs> Let me. I'll make dinner. Oh, I don't have anything, anything in the fridge. I'll go to the store. And, and it's like this, you know, that inner monologue. <laughs> you're laughing because it probably sounds kind of familiar. right? <laughs> and most people are like, they're afraid to let out their inner monologue and then like fish in water, it's always there, but they don't really quite get it or they don't quite perceive it. And this exercise brings it out. Mm. And it's part of a sequence, a series of exercises, starting with the raisins, that's making you aware of what you're sensing. And then this one is making you aware of what you're thinking. And then they build and build and build of how your mind works and then it's how the emotional system works because leaders work with emotions because our mm-hmm. emotions motivate us and if we're not aware of how our mind works if we just take it for granted that it just thinks that's really broad it's kind of like saying like you don't want an auto mechanic cuz just like your car just kind of works <laughs> you know you, you want to know pistons do this and you know the engine block does that and you want to know what each part how they work. Mm. And you, you do that to experience.
0: I should mention that Joshua has divided the book into four sections, four units, uh, understanding yourself, leading yourself, understanding others and, and leading others. And we're of course talking about the understanding yourself portion a, at the moment. Uh, the next exercise of which, and I want to build on each of these as we go, writing your beliefs. So this is going from the word level of the inner monologue to the, to the idea level. Is that right?
1: Exactly. And yeah, uh, some people say mental models or just plain Mm. models. I like to say beliefs because I like to not use jargon. I use plain language. But our minds can't process everything in the universe all at once. They, you know, they're limited. And so we simplify things. We throw out information and biases get introduced. And so we, we interact mentally with our models for things. So, you know, another person is just as complex as you are. So, Most people we represent in our minds, is like, I don't know, five or 10 adjectives most of the time. And most of the time it works pretty well, but it does influence how we perceive the world. And so the more aware we are of these beliefs, the more we can adjust and take into account that we're interacting with our beliefs as much, and all our decisions are based on our beliefs about things, not the actual things, because there's stuff that we can't possibly take in all the information possible about everything around us.
0: Well, I want to jump to unit two of the book, if I may, Joshua. Leading yourself. This is really about uh, changing how you how you see the world and and how that change affects you. Um, what, what are some of your favorite exercises uh, from this section to help us accomplish
1: that? Well, in a certain sense, they're all my favorite. I mean, <laughs> for one thing, they're all useful. For another thing, they're all yeah. designed to build on each other. Mm. It's hard not to think of the authentic voice exercise, though. It's mm. because Speaking authentically and communicating authentically is so valuable for leaders. And we put our guards up against people who protect themselves too much. And, and everyone says, just be yourself. And everyone says, you know just, just say what comes natural. But we live in a world where we've gotten so much advice of how to do things. We, the way I think of it is we just had so much stuff put on top of us. The, the us underneath is hard to get to. And this exercise, just to say be yourself, I find that really hard to act on. People who can do it don't need the advice, and people who can't do it, the advice doesn't help. This exercise builds on these ones that we talked about in the first unit of understanding yourself and being aware of your inner monologue. So, in a certain sense, this exercise is simply to speak your inner monologue. And for a lot of people, they're like really afraid. Oh my God! What if I say my I hate my best friend or I say some (laughs) sexist or racist joke when I didn't mean to? Isn't the filter there for a reason? Hmm. Well, if you if you're not skilled in something, you're really, it's all, things get black and white. There's no nuance, there's no subtlety. It's like if you're playing an instrument and you're not good at it, you just hit the key or not. There's <laughs> hitting it lightly, there's hitting it with a couple other keys around it. And if you, the first couple times you do this, a lot of people, I say, you know, if you're not really, if you're really scared, just talk to the wall, just say your inner monologue out to the wall, then work up to a mirror, then maybe work up to a camera. But by the end of the week, work up to speaking to someone without that filter. Just say your inner monologue. And people listening now won't have done these, all these exercises that built up to it. So I'm not like, it's a big leap if you're just hearing it. But if you've taken it and you're doing the exercises, it's a small jump. It's, it's really a changing exercise. Students come back in person and they just say, I had no idea I could say the things that I did. And then when I did, people responded to me in a way that I never heard them speak to me before, even mm-hmm. longtime friends. The longest quote in the book from other people is in this section where a student wrote about how, it was a college student and she, she was on spring break with a bunch of high school friends. And she said that they started talking about things that they'd never talked about before, even though they'd known each other for five, ten years by this mm. point.
0: You know, it, it's one of those books where, and, and you've, you've hinted at this, uh, and we both have, if, if you're not willing to, to do the exercises, it's kind of like, what's the point, right? That's the whole point of this book. In fact, Joshua goes so far as to, at the end of every chapter, there's a stop sign. He says, put the book down. Stop. Now do the exercise before moving on. It's critical that you have a willingness to, to do that if you're going to dive into this. Uh, Material. One of my favorite um, uh, exercises from Unit Two, one I'd never heard of before, uh, was the feed-forward exercise, and this the simple script that you that you lay out for practicing that. And 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 one of the awesome benefits of that is, as you do that. There's a high likelihood that that you're going to find a mentor along the way. It's a very simple, uh, non-threatening way, I guess, or lack of a better way of saying it, to 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 ask somebody to consider that role in your life. Is it not?
1: Yeah, I have to give credit here to Marshall Goldsmith, my mentor for yeah. over ten years, and feed if you look at Feedforward online, you'll find lots of hits, some of mine, but mainly Marshall because it's it's his thing. Right. And like I said, this is you know I wasn't the first one to come up with exercises. He came up with with many. But, you know, one of the things I've done, and, and I tell him all about this, is I, I put them together into a, a, a progression so that they all fit together without big jumps in between. And I didn't feel, you know, he created the exercise and he, he's been doing it for decades. I can't help but put my own touch onto it. Mm. And I've practiced it so much. And I found that it's really effective in networking. It's really effective in lots of areas beyond just he uses it for coaching people. But it's so useful in lots of other areas. So I add into it, for example, if you want to work with someone who's not in your organization, say they're, they're very high status and you normally wouldn't be able to reach them. Asking people for advice is very, how do I put it? It makes the other person feel like, oh, good thing you asked me because I happen to be an expert in this. <laughs> and let me tell you. And I found that if you then go back to that person and report, even if you didn't take the advice, but you have a reason why you didn't but generally you use the advice and you say how it went, the person will feel really good. And they'll feel like, oh, if I work with this person, they report back to me, they make me feel good. I like working with this person. And if you ask them advice again, or if you ask them for feed forward again, they'll give it to you again. If someone gives you advice, you you act on it and then you give them them feedback again, that person will, they will answer your call. Mm. They will be your mentor. They will give you advice as long as you keep responding to them. And it seems like magic from the outside. It's actually pretty simple. And it's funny because teaching at NYU, it, all universities do this thing where they, they get students in touch with mentors and they have to put all this work into finding the mentors. And so they'll have a bunch of mentors, maybe a couple dozen people who will take calls from students. All right. Better than nothing. But so much more valuable is to give the students the ability and skill and experience of finding and getting mentors on their own. And suddenly you don't have a dozen to pick from. You have 7.6 billion to choose from. And when you do it yourself, the connection is much stronger than it's just not just some transaction facilitated by school. It's you've created and you've made it. And the, the book is all about enabling you to do things, not just know that you can, but giving you experience doing it so that when you go out and do it in life, as opposed to just following the instructions in the book, you've done it before. You're not, fo- you're not trying to remember, oh, what did that teacher recommend? Or what did that teacher, uh, what did I read in that essay? It's, what did I do before? Oh, that's right. I did this. And you just do what you did.
0: Uh, as an adjunct uh, myself, I underline these two sentences in this specific chapter of the book you're talking about that says schools see the problem as a lack of mentors or access to them. I, Joshua, see it as students lack of skill to create mental relationships, which the school's coddling exacerbates.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's. I've been in meetings where it's like Groups of, of professors who teach leadership, and I I, well, I once was talking to one, and I said, so what you know, what do you teach? He goes, I st- I teach strictly theory, and since then I've I've tried to think of what strictly theory is useful for, and the, the top <laughs> answer I can come up with is to teach people to become professors of leadership theory, and it's like this self sustaining <laughs> thing that's it's it's just totally inward focused, mm. and as a you know my background, my PhD is in physics from before the MBA, and in science theory makes a lot of sense. Outside there, it's just, I have respect for theory, but I think most people want to learn how to lead, not just to learn the theory of leadership without practicing it. And by the way, anyone who does these exercises, <clears throat> I will put them up against anyone who learned just theory. And I think the students who did the exercises will know the theory at least as well, and they'll know how to apply it.
0: And in many of the examples you cite in the book of great leaders are people who never learned any of that theory.
1: Yeah. I mean, the teaching of leadership is very recent. I mean, why do we teach traditional education? Why do we use traditional education? Because all the people who are teaching leadership came through traditional education. They're they're very, you know, the the higher level school they're at, they got there through publisher parish. So they're used Mm. to publishing. It's historically, it makes a lot of sense why that would be the case. And I'm glad that they've taught that way, as opposed to not teaching leadership at all. Mm. But there's more effective ways.
0: Well, oftentimes the word leadership and the word authority uh, get lumped together. I know in my young career as a, as a leader, <laughs> I, I I considered those two words synonymous. <laughs> unfortunately, talk about about how we need to learn as leaders to lead without authority and what leadership without authority, Joshua, actually looks like.
1: Yeah, I grew up the same way. It's like I, I hear you cringing. Like I I certainly feel like I cringe when I think of. <laughs> And I tried to share a couple anecdotes of how ineffectively I led when I tried to lead purely through authority. And there are times when you have to rely on authority. Maybe it's crunch time; you need something out the door within two hours, and people have different ideas of how to do it. And sometimes you got to say, "Look, you may be right. I'm not sure, but it's my decision here, and we're going to do it this way." And but if you do that, you better go back afterward and revisit, and you know what's those, what toes did you step on, and so forth. Because when you use authority people seek to undermine it. If they agree with you, you don't need to do it. If they don't agree with you, then there, there's some disagreement that you're stepping on. So yeah, authority and a lot of my practice has come through, most of my coaching clients have in some sense said to me something like the following, my boss, I can't deal with the person and I, but I just have to accept that that's the way it is because they're the boss and I'm not. And they don't realize that you can lead any, if you lead through empathy, compassion, through emotions, then You can lead people to want to do things. And that doesn't depend on authority. If you're a salesperson, you're leading someone outside the company. You don't have authority over them. They're they're generally the one with the budget. You're leading them to behave in a certain way to say, buy your product or sign a contract with you. And if you know what motivates, say your boss, someone who has authority over you, if you can connect that motivation to a task that you want done, they'll do it. They'll want to do it they'll be glad. They'll thank you for it. You know, working title for my book in the beginning was how to lead people. So they want you to lead them again. Hmm. And that's what happens when you lead people this way, when you connect their motivations, especially their passions, what they wanted to do before you ever met them. You know, if you care about leadership, if you're listening to my voice right now, you care about what you do. And everyone around you worked hard to get to where they are. Something's motivating them, something motivated them before they ever heard of you. That motivation is more strong, more motivating than anything you could layer on top of it. Most people don't share it. And all of unit fours is about how to behave in ways and communicating ways so that people will share that motivation with you, despite it being, making them vulnerable. So you have to make them feel comfortable sharing these vulnerabilities and then connecting that to the task. And now they want to do it and then supporting them in the long run. I mean, most of the time, as a leader, I think is a lot of the time spent supporting people. But at the beginning, it's having them share what they care about. Now that you know what they care about, making that why they do what they do, that's making something purposeful and meaningful. And then they they love working for you. And when they stop, when they finish the project that they do for you, if they have to work with someone else who doesn't make their work purposeful, Mm. they're going to want to come back to you and work with you.
0: I was at a a, a leadership event a week or so ago, the Global Leadership Summit, and there was a quote from one of the speakers that I tweeted that has quickly become the most retweeted, most liked tweet of my entire Twitter career. And I think it sums up this section of the book nicely. Uh, The gentleman said, and I'll have to find his name because I I forget it now, but leaders don't attract who they want. They attract who they are. Would you say that's a, that's a, a fair statement?
1: Interesting. What you want is internal. It's your behavior and what your identity. That's what people see. They can't see what's inside you. Mm. And so how you behave, that's why, you know, there has to be a behavioral component to how you how you learn to lead and how you practice your leadership. And if you're not aware about that, then yeah, that's what people see. Mm. They react to what's on the outside. Mm.
0: Well, Joshua, I've enjoyed this. I do have a a couple of questions I want to ask you that are not directly related to the book. Before I do that, though, um, anything else from the book you want to make sure that we we walk away with?
1: You know, you mentioned what's the point if you don't do the exercises? And (laughs) I'm amazed. I read the reviews on Amazon and they're really like they're almost all five star reviews. Mm. And every now and then, some of them are clearly the person has done the exercise. I'm like, yes, this person gets it. (laughs) And a lot of them have just read it. And apparently it seems to be getting a lot of people value just to read it. And I credit to my book agent and my editor who, you know, forced me to put in a lot of stories and examples from my life, from my student's life, from my Mm -hmm. client's life, from historical great leaders. And So it seems to be very valuable for people who just read it, but the people who do the exercises, it's like incomparably more value. And it takes some time. If you do one exercise a week and it's 20 exercises, it would take a few months to do much shorter than if you were just going to try to learn through life lessons and, you know, wait for things to happen but you know still a fair amount of time but it's really the exercises generally fit into the rest of life so you don't have to do them outside of life it's part of life
0: right i felt like i was cheating a little bit as i read because in the interests of time i continued reading so i could be ready for this interview and, and didn't do the exercises but i do promise you i do plan to go back and reread it and and actually uh, implement many of these exercises because i could see especially through your stories and examples how impactful they could be and, and thought of a number of instances in my own life personally and professionally where I could I could see that have an impact right away. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you for that. Um, I'd love for you to think, Joshua, about uh, a book or two that you've read over the last few years that has impacted you a great deal. I'm always interested to hear from guests as to what's uh, impacting them uh, in what they're reading.
1: Well, there are a few that I write about specifically in the book that That of people who were able to make amazing things of their lives despite major difficulties, and a lot of us we act like you know, oh, if I had other resources or other challenges, I could overcome them. So, uh, like *Man's Search for Meaning* by Viktor Frankl Mm -hmm. is is probably the big one there, or *The Diving Bell and the Butterfly*, or uh, a smaller known book called *Gimp* by a guy named Mark Zupan, but. I just, not a couple months ago, finished reading uh, Nelson Mandela's autobiography, and that made a huge impression on me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Mandela, obviously one of the great leaders of all time. And I just want to point out here, because we are talking about leadership without authority, I just want to draw attention to something that he did. After being in jail for over two decades, he negotiated with the presidents of the country. Like we're talking about motivating your boss like that's a challenge (laughs) right it is a challenge okay how about this you're a a prisoner in jail and you negotiate with the president and then get that person's job (laughs) it's talk about leadership what like lots of stuff stacked against the guy and i just think of what he did it it drives me to beyond what i could have done had i not read about him learned about him
0: you know you mentioned uh, frankl's book i've had that recommended to me numerous times and i finally went out and picked it up just a couple of weeks ago uh, so I'm, I'm just diving into that one. But now I'm going to go out and pick up uh, Mandela's book as well. You know, I believe uh, that the ability to be good at effectively sharing your ideas in public is uh, something that plays a major role in a person's level of success. Uh, I'd be curious to know, Joshua, what some of your tips are for delivering an impactful and, and memorable public talk.
1: Oh, it, this is a practice practice, <laughs> practice. It's yeah. the closing words of the book. Yeah. And it's the advice I give more than almost any other advice is practice, practice, practice. And if, once you've practiced enough, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> and when you've practiced and you're bored of it, then you can start varying it and start doing things in different ways. And whatever advice you get from any other place, all that advice will be so much more meaningful after you've practiced. And I used to think, you know, actors, They practice, you know, I don't care how great Meryl Streep is. She rehearses and she practices. Hmm. And the more that you practice, what happens is that you can start exploring and developing. Like I saw Brian Dennehy played um, uh, the lead in Death of a Salesman, Willie Loman. And I saw him speak and someone said, you've played Willie Loman some hundreds of times, like close to a thousand times. Do you ever get bored of it? And he said, on the contrary, I felt like I was finally getting to understand this character. Hmm. And- practicing lets you get to depth and richness and it makes other advice take on meaning you know if someone says like i've recently started cooking a lot more and i had lots of advice on how to cook before but once i started cooking then the advice was meaningful and it makes everything else work so practice 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 and Mm -hmm. then practice more and then practice and keep practicing
0: well, I have found uh, that works for me and that uh, I used to fear public speaking, um, but as I practiced it more and forced myself uh, to do it, the, the easier it got. And with any individual talk, I feel, uh, as, as you would imagine, uh, more confident when I've, I I know walking in, I've practiced it numerous times. I had a couple of talks back to back last year, one I was really concerned about and the other one I was like, ah, that's no big deal. The one that I was really concerned about, I practiced f- forever and walked in feeling super confident when that's the one i should have been nervous about and then the other one a week later that i thought was no big deal i was nervous because i hadn't practiced nearly as much i just i, I don't know of anything that works better
1: yeah and you know it, i take for granted that when you practice you'll iterate and mm-hmm. you'll you'll get advice and things like that i think it's inevitable so there's a story that i think i put in the book about someone who taught ceramics or pottery and he just said to the class all right half of you i'm going to grade this way uh the best piece I'm going to grade based on how great the best piece looks. The other half, I'm going to take everything you have. I'm going to weigh it. And if it weighs between like 50 pounds and 60 pounds, you get an A. If it's between 40 (laughs) and 50, you get a B and so forth. And so the question is, which group produced the best pottery? Mm. And you'd think it would be the first group, but it was actually the second group. And because they just making more, it's impossible for people who care about what they do if they you know, if, if you lead, you care about leading. It's impossible not to improve each time a little bit relative to the time before. And eventually it gets really good.
0: Mm. Well, I want to give you a chance to talk about what's what's next for you. What are you and your team working on now that uh, you're excited about? I know the book's been out for a few months now. You mentioned an online course at your site, I believe. Anything else?
1: Yeah, well, the courses anyone can take these courses, and there's a bit more structure when you do it online because instead of a stop sign, it simply doesn't let you get to the next exercise, <laughs> next exercise, without doing without writing it. your your reflections. <laughs> and it, you know, there's recordings and videos and the form which the book can't give. So the online is a, is a more rich structured experience, and it's social and interactive with others. You can make the book interactive as well if you do it with friends. Uh, the other thing is my podcast, which will launch in a couple months on leadership in the environment. I've mm. I found that one area that we're lacking leadership in, or actually the leadership is generally going in the opposite direction, mm. is in the environment and, and you know, reducing pollution, reducing global warming, which are two separate things. And I think there's a lot of people passing laws, mm. but without popular support, that's authoritarian. And uh, you know, spreading information and facts, but that's what, without behavior. And so mm. I'm, I, I, see a, I see a need for a Martin Luther King type leader in the environment and until someone does it better, I'm going to do it. And my <laughs> podcast is my starting way of doing it. So it's a big leadership challenge that I'm taking on, but I think big goals.
0: Well, I commend you for that. I'm excited to, uh, to see that launch. So I'll be among the first to subscribe when the, when the time comes. Uh, the book, Thank again, you. is called Leadership Step by Step, Become the Person Others Follow by Joshua Spodek. Joshua, it was a pleasure to have you on the Read Lead podcast. Jeff, same here. The pleasure is mine. And and thank you very much. It probably would have been a good time uh, at the beginning of the show to mention that I've been sick the last two days and I'm on lots of drugs. (laughs) (laughs) So if I seem lethargic at any point in time, that's probably why.
1: (laughs) Now to, to someone with a science background like me, you're, you're sick and you're on drugs, which could be two separate things or the drugs are the, the prescription. to
0: <laughs> Yeah, let me clarify that real quick. <laughs> no, this has been a lot of fun. I, I, I really enjoy the book. I'm about two-thirds of the way through it, uh, so have a have a bit yet to go. But uh, I do plan to stick to that promise of going back and rereading it and uh, implementing those exercises. So thanks.
1: Thank you. If you have questions and anyone listening to this, if you get through the book and you have questions and you're wondering how to do the exercise more effectively or something like that, contact me, especially if I can answer publicly for others to benefit from it, then I'll post it on the blog. But, you know, glad to help anyone who's interested.
0: If, as he mentioned, you would like to connect with Joshua, I've put links to both his Twitter account and LinkedIn in the show notes page for this episode, along with the books that he referenced and the other resources that he and I chatted about. You can find all that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 179 for episode 179. At the time this episode is being published, there is still some time left for you to try Read to Lead University, my members only book club for just One dollar. That offer stands through the end of August 2017. If you want to find out more about that, go to readtoleaduniversity.com. I want to give a special thanks to Jonathan in the UK who wrote a recent rating and review of the Read to Lead podcast, gave it five stars, and he titled his review, My Best Podcast Yet. He says, I stumbled on this podcast a few weeks ago, have fallen absolutely in love with it, Jeff Brown is an amazing host. Thank you, Jonathan. Always asks very relevant questions during interviews. Also admire his honesty and style. Highly recommend. Wow. Appreciate that very, very much, Jonathan. Also a five-star rating and review in the U.S., from C. uh, Trist, I think it is, who says simply, excellent podcast. I listen regularly and enjoy. Thank you both so much. If you'd like to leave a rating and written review and possibly get mentioned here on the show, you can go to -to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes to leave one there. You can also try Stitcher if that's your platform of choice, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Consider taking advantage of that free month-long trial from our friends at Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks, no credit card, Just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it so very much. That's going to do it for this time. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead.